Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life mindset and human design mentor who is all about helping you heal and rediscover your authentic self so you can go out and do some really epic stuff. So this podcast is going to be all about spirituality, self-empowerment, self-discovery, wellness, healing, parenting, sobriety, mental health, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This is all about helping you along in your own self-project journey. So go ahead and let's sit back and dive right in. I want to welcome to the show today, Leslie Thomas. And Leslie is the money mastery business coach for service-based female entrepreneurs. She's known for her holistic whole business approach to money makeovers, and she works with entrepreneurial women who undercharge and overdeliver to help them find their niche, create a new compass, and crack their money code. And um, you can't see our video, but I was pointing at myself right now as I was um, reading Leslie's um, bio and more about her, because I think that that's common for a lot of us, undercharging and over-delivering. Um, so I'm hoping we can maybe touch a little bit more on that too. So Leslie, do you kind of mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself and sharing some of your story with us? Absolutely. So as Christy said, I'm Leslie Thomas and I am the Money Mastery Business Coach. But I started off my career um, many years ago um, in, in the corporate space. So I spent 20 years working in telecommunications um, before a very familiar story, probably to lots of us who are mums, before leaving corporate life, because I found it very difficult balancing being a mum to two young children who at the time were three and one, I think. Um, my husband had already set up his own business. I was working up in London. I live in the UK. I live in Salisbury, a couple of miles from Stonehenge. And so going up to London, probably two or three times a week on the train, an hour and a half on the train, another half an hour to my office, meant I was leaving the house very, very early, leaving the children at breakfast time with my husband, whilst I went off basically up to London to take part in my corporate job. The usual guilt, not feeling as though I was being you know, a good mum, a good wife, a good employee. So the opportunity came for me to leave the corporate world and start working with my husband, who had set up his own business selling ski property in Switzerland at the point in time. Um, when I joined him 10 years ago last month, I established the French side of the business so we there now sell ski property both in France and Switzerland. I've always been a coach in, in some format or other throughout my career, you know, be it as, as a mentor, be it as somebody who's coaching a team, and also throughout my entrepreneurial journey over the last 10 years, I've always had people coming to me looking for support looking for advice. So last year, I decided to take the plunge and set up my own coaching business, because I am somebody who has already set up her own business, 
gone through a number of highs and lows. So the, the financial crash in, in 2008, the UK uh, referendum on leaving the EU in 2016, uh, the UK leaving the EU earlier on in 2020, and then obviously what we've all experienced, the pandemic over the last 10 months. So I'm somebody who is is not just saying I am a business coach without having that real raw experience of running her own business. I absolutely do have the experience of what it's like to navigate through very, very difficult times and find a way to come out of the other side. So I'm talking now from the scar as opposed to the wound. So that is, that is who I am in hopefully a nutshell. So I really love, um, well, first of all, I love that you touched on the part that mom guilt that we all get, no matter what we're doing, um, you know, working the corporate job. I remember I had um, a job. I used to be a nurse, so I would work night shift and that mom guilt that I felt for leaving my kids. And then now, even now transitioning at home, you know, even working from home, we can still experience that as we deal with just the balancing act of, you know, life and also wanting to have our careers and help other people. So I'm really glad that you briefly mentioned that, that, you know, that guilt that we all have um, and that, you know, we're all just doing our best to try to balance it. So what specifically got you into, I also love that you shared that, you know, you're coming, you're, you're a business coach, but you're coming with years and years and years of business experience behind you. Like you've built your own businesses. That's incredible. Um, so what kind of led you to want to kind of focus on helping people with like their money mindset and their money beliefs? I think it's because for, you know, for all us women who are setting up our, our own businesses, the thing that holds us back or the things that hold us back are our self-limiting beliefs. And the majority of self-limiting beliefs actually come from our money story. And our money story, our money mindset, it's formed from when we were children. And it is the experience of how money was around us when we were growing up. So for me, the real starting point for when somebody needs a business coach is normally around either a singular self-limiting belief, but normally limiting beliefs don't come as a solo thing. They come as a whole series series of limiting beliefs. And they normally come from a position of, of not feeling you're good enough or not owning your value or not feeling you're worth it, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, the real core starting point I felt was when clients come to me, let's understand your money story because once we understand your money story, and more importantly, once you understand your money story, that is when you truly understand how those decisions you've previously made as a result of that money mindset, how they have impacted you, how they have impacted your business, and what we then need to do to turn those decisions around to start making your business work for you again. Hmm. That's really powerful. So it's, it's your, 
it's deconstructing these beliefs, like you said, that we've been building up since children. Um, you know, I, I believe we probably pick up on a lot of these beliefs, like you said, from our parents, from, you know, the world around us, from the environment that we're in um, and many other things. So would you um, what are some of the most common blocks that you've seen? Well, very often when, when, when clients come to me, you know, they will say, uh, you know, I've, I've reached a revenue ceiling in my business and you know, I don't know how to go about making more money. I know what I do brings, brings results for my clients. I know what I do serves a purpose, but all I seem to be doing is working longer and longer hours to make the same amount of money. I then say to them, why, you know, why is that? You know, first of all, why did you go into business in the first place? And it's usually the same reasons we all go into our own business to set our own hours, to be able to spend more time with the family, to be able to take our business with us when we want to go on holiday, et cetera, et cetera. But what starts to happen is we start to move away from why we set up the business in the first place, we start to spend more time working in the business. We start to have to expand our opening hours. We have to expand maybe working at weekends. Why is that? Because there's a limiting doubt that says, I can't charge more for my services. So if I can't charge more for my services, the only way I can make more money is by working longer hours. And that is a mindset that it's not just related to women, but it's very, very prevalent, more so in women than it is in men. And because we undervalue what we do, and because we see what we do as simply an exchange of our, our time for the money that you provide, rather than understanding actually what we're doing for clients is creating a transformation. We're bringing results for them, but we don't view it in that way. We view it very transactionally in terms of, I will spend X amount of time doing Y for you, and in return, you will pay me X. If you do that, the only way you can make more money is increasing your, your hourly fees or extending the number of hours that you work. When you extend the number of hours you work, that is when resentment sets in because you're moving further and further away from why you set up that business in the first place. And it's only when my clients start to see that shift, start to remember their why, and then look at what they need to do to deliver back on why they set up their business in the first place, only then are they able to make those changes and put in place those boundaries because it is the boundaries that really make us stop and inwardly look at what we're doing and inwardly look at what we have accepted for ourselves because we've allowed those boundaries to either be completely removed or certainly flexed a lot. And that has meant that we're no longer delivering upon why we became business owners. So thank you for sharing that. I really, you know, kind of what stood out for me was when you said the transactions are for the results, not the amount of work that we're putting in. And so I think this kind of touches on how you talk too, where we're uh, undercharging and over delivering, where we're thinking, um, 
trying to justify again, if we're going to charge a certain price, we have to give a certain amount of our energy. So I think that that what you said there was really an important reminder and setting boundaries has been so important. Um, you know, I've lacked, I'm sure we all at some point have lacked boundaries in our own, you know, businesses or lives or, you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, that was something that I really had to work on too, was setting those boundaries between, you know, this is business, this is life. I am not going to be, you know, extending my hours, you know, that was something for my own self that I was like, okay, well, I can meet with you like at nine, 10 o'clock at night, if that's what works for you. And I'm like, but that doesn't work well for me. So setting those boundaries for yourself is perfectly okay. Um, so how can we start working on kind of overcoming some of these uh, negative money beliefs that we have? So the, the first step is having an awareness. So it's ha- having an awareness of what is what has caused you to have those limiting beliefs and what those limiting beliefs are that you have. So I would always say to a client, right, consider what the relationship was in your family with money when you were growing up. Was there plentiful amount of money? Was there a limited amount of money? And how did that show up in the language that your parents used around money? So things like um, there isn't a money tree at the bottom of the garden, you know, is a common one that, you know, lots of us heard when we were younger or only getting special things like a bike or a mobile phone or certain, you know, clothing items for your birthday or at Christmas rather than when you needed them. So if you grew out of your bike, it wasn't a case of we'll get you a new bike. Uh, That'll have to go on your list for Christmas. So journal out what your experience was with money as a result of how you were brought up, first of all, to try and understand why you have the limiting beliefs that you have. Because by being aware that you have those limiting beliefs, that is when you can take the next step to do something about it. About it. So the next step would be is to journal those limiting beliefs that you have. So write down, I would say, six or seven limiting beliefs that you hold. And that might be, you know, I, I can never make enough money. Um, clients won't pay me if I charge more. Um, I'm not very good at saving. Whatever it is for you, write those down. And I would say write down six or seven and, and then add six or seven more. Because normally those really deep-seated limiting beliefs need a little bit more encouragement to come out. But spend some time journaling those, those negative beliefs. And then on the opposite side, write out whatever you wrote in the negative write it in the positive. So I never have enough money, could become, I always have enough money. Um, I don't know how to make more money. I always come up with ideas how to make more money. So everything that you write in the negative, write it in the positive instead. Another idea I talk with my clients is, is to create two avatars or stick people. I'm not very good at drawing, so I would be stick people in my case. So draw an avatar or a stick person and give it a negative name. So it could be negative Nelly, negative Nora, whatever it's going to be, whatever name works well for you, and write down all the negative traits that negative Nelly has. Then draw another stick person and give it a positive name. 
be it Positive Polly, Positive Pandora, whatever name you'd like to give her, and write out all the positive traits that she has. Then when a negative thought comes into your mind, you can imagine negative Nelly there on your shoulder, talking away in your ear, and then Positive Pandora coming along, flicking off negative Nelly. Positive Pandora is here now, she's running the show. So you can actually have a, a visual stimuli because we all respond to what we can see in our mind's eye, basically. So by able to create these little characters for yourself, that means you're starting to anticipate that negative thought coming into your head and dealing with it before it has the opportunity to take hold. Another thing I suggest to my clients is to come up with four or five positive affirmations that work for you. So not necessarily affirmations you see, you know, on Google or other people using, but positive affirmations that work for you. So they could be things like, um, I run a very successful business. Um, I have all the money I need. Money comes to me whenever I need it. I am hugely successful. Whatever those affirmations are going to be for you, create four or five of them, write them down and commit to saying them at least every morning and every evening. A nice little trick is to put your affirmations onto your phone. So when you pick up your phone, the affirmations are there. So they're consistently being reinforced. Um, another idea I recommend to my clients is meet your future self. Because by, by thinking about your future self, and I usually say use a time frame of about three years because it's not too close to feel as though it's unachievable, as in you haven't got enough time, but it's not so far out that you kind of go, oh, well, I've got plenty of time to turn into that person. And it's not about turning into another person. It's about creating the life that you wish for yourself. So I get them to think about what they're doing in three years' time, how much they're earning, what they are wearing, what they have experienced, what they're celebrating, what life looks like for them, what they are delegating and what they have given up doing as a result of who they are in three years time. I will get them to write a letter to themselves and to be congratulating themselves on what they've achieved over that three year period. Because what that does is start to give you a framework for not just what you're going to do to become your future self, what you're going to stop doing, because it isn't going to support you in meeting your future self. And so that can take, you know, that can take many forms. That could be a, you know, a list of things that you are going to be doing, or it can be a letter you're going to write to yourself. Something else that I do on an annual basis, and I ask all my clients to do, is on the 1st of January, to write a letter to yourself in 12 months time, congratulating you on what you've achieved over the 12 months time. Then going to a website called futureme.com, emailing that, 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 emailing that email to yourself with the date set for January the 1st, the next year. So I've done that now probably for the last three or four years. So I received just over a week ago, the letter I wrote to myself on the 1st of January, 2020, 
that letter wasn't quite obviously as I was panning it out to be because I didn't anticipate there being a global pandemic when I wrote that letter. But there were still lots of things that I managed to achieve, in part because I knew that letter was coming. So it's almost there as a way of holding yourself accountable. It's an accountability tool, because whilst you forget about some of the content, perhaps, the main goals, if you've done goal setting, another thing I advise to my clients, do goal setting, I can then anticipate I'm going to be getting that letter. And I don't want to be getting it going, oh, didn't achieve that. And I didn't achieve that. And I didn't achieve that. So actually having it there as an accountability tool is a great way of holding your feet to the flame, basically, and to get the opportunity to celebrate the success you have had when you get that letter. So it's all about it's all about reframing everything in the positive, but being realistic about where you are, how you've gotten there and what tools you need to effectively remind yourself of the person that you want to become. Incredible. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. I have to say, uh, personally, I started working on my own money mindset. I you know, a lot of last year. And so a lot of the um, things that you were suggesting are things that I've done as well. And I can tell you um, firsthand that they've tremendously helped with my own money mindset, examining where the beliefs came from, um, you know, deconstructing those, setting new beliefs, doing affirmations, all the way down to putting, having alarms on the phone. And it has, it has helped so much take me from that um, scarcity mindset, you know, that that constant fear and dread to an abundance mindset. So to really try those things because they really are powerful. Absolutely. And what I'll do, Christy, as well, I'll send you afterwards. You can share it with your listeners if you want to. I've created um, a money mindset masterclass workbook so they can download it. It's, it's It's quite a meaty document. It's probably about... 20 odd pages or so but it goes right through the kind of um uh the detail of you know of what a money mindset is how it's developed and what you can do starting right back from those quests those questions about awareness right through to meeting your future self and everything in between so I'll, i'll send you the link to that and you're very welcome to share that with your listeners oh that would be wonderful we'll put that into show notes so you'll be able to go right down and um go straight to that. Thank you for offering that. So would you tell us, and we've kind of touched on it all along. So definitely our self-value and self-worth is directly related to our money beliefs, you would say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because everything that we largely start to form in our minds from, you know, from when we were children, it is so when we have a concern about will somebody listen to you know our advice will somebody you know pay for us to support and advise them will somebody want to work with us it all relates back to what we heard heard and felt when we were children from our parents and it it doesn't necessarily mean you came 
from a poor background and therefore you have a poor money mindset or vice versa. It is all to do with that, as, as you've said, the scarcity and abundance approach that your parents had that can have you know, a direct impact. I can give you an example. Um, I had a client whose mum was very, they were, they were from a very wealthy background and her, but her mum had a scarcity mindset and did not believe in the children having brand new uniforms. So the children always had secondhand uniform. And my, my client can remember um, being brought up, being bullied, essentially, because her classmates, etc. she didn't have, you know, the trendiest uniform, she didn't have the newest uniform. It wasn't because they couldn't afford it, it's because her mother's mindset was, I don't need to buy brand new uniform when secondhand uniform is perfectly adequate, which is very true. But because of that, because of her association with the bullying that she suffered from, she has taken a long period of time to work through the, the inadequacies she felt because of being bullied. But actually she grew up with plenty of money around her, but her mum's mentality, her mum's mindset was, I don't need to, as she saw it, I don't need to waste money on brand new uniform when secondhand uniform is perfectly good enough. So there isn't a direct correlation always between the amount of money that there was around you. It was what your parents said about it that stuck with you and resonated with you and stayed with you. And the fascinating thing about your money story is it's usually the only piece of information you bring through from with you from childhood into adulthood and you keep using. So you don't bring Father Christmas through with you. You don't bring the tooth fairy through with you, but you do bring your money story through with you. And it's once you start to make that connection of why am I doing that? Why am I as a 35 year old, 45 year old, 55 year old? still taking on board the messages I was given as a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, 14-year-old. Once they start to make that connection, that's when they can write their own money story. Um, that's an incredible realization that you're correct. That is the story that we carry from our childhood all the way through into adulthood. I never realized that. So again, thank you for sharing that with us. So do you want to let us know what are some of the ways that you uh, are, are working with other people? Yeah, so, so largely at the moment, it's on a one-to-one -one basis. So I, I work with clients and they, it can be it can start off with um, a one-day workshop. So we can start with a one-day workshop and some clients will say, that's enough for me. You know, I, I have the tools I need. I will go off now and utilize those tools. But largely after the one day workshop, a client will spend 90 days working to really get that accountability and really get that ability to have the reinforcement to be able to talk about how well they have implemented the different tools and techniques that we've asked, you know, that, that we've talked about. 
And then other clients will want to work longer because whilst they've been working on their money mindset, they now want the real business coaching support to understand how they go about overcoming and changing some of those decisions they've made in their business. And that might be around branding. It might be around they've not wanted to niche down because they could be concerned. If we don't, you know, if I niche, I'm going to limit my opportunity as opposed to recognizing by niching, actually you can start honing and creating really, really clear marketing messages totally aimed at your ideal client. We can look at their signature system, putting in place how they go about creating the results they do for their clients and in creating that signature system, how they can then form marketing messages specific to them. We can look at putting packages in place and moving away from the hourly charging to actually looking at a set of packages that clearly set out how they bring results for their clients. So for me, it's all about how long a client wants me to work with them, how long they want that accountability for, and how long they want to be implementing and also having the ability to work through to the next stage. Wonderful. And so where could we also find you online? Do you mind letting us know your social uh, media links and where we can find you on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is um, www.lesliethomas.com. Then um, I'm the Money Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. I am the Money Mastery Business Coach on Instagram. And I am um, Leslie-Thomas on LinkedIn. And I've also recently joined Clubhouse, where I am down as Leslie A. Thomas. Awesome. I'll have to come follow you. I recently joined over the weekend too. And that's just been fascinating to, Isn't it? to check it out. It's, it's yes. really cool, really cool platform. So definitely thank you for sharing with us. Um, as we kind of close out, you've given us so, so much information, um, so many great tips, but is there anything else that you had wanted to share or touch on before we close out? I think it's all about being kind to yourself valuing yourself as a business owner as much as you value your client because if in valuing yourself in putting the oxygen mask on first that is when you're going to be able to be of best service to your client limiting beliefs are something we all have And it's something we all have to work on. Some of us are just a little bit more effective of recognizing what those limiting beliefs are and finding a way of dealing with them. But never, ever berate yourself for those limiting beliefs because they happened to you. They occurred in you when you were too young to actually rationalize what was going on. But I think once you have that awareness, once you create that set of tools that work for you, that is when you can set set about releasing those limiting beliefs and really stepping into your power and stepping into the results that you want for yourself and for your business. Yes. Thank you for sharing. And I have to say thank you again, Leslie, so much for giving your time and for being on today. My pleasure. Good to meet you. Thanks, Christy.
thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.